You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. We're going to start a series that is called, Did Jesus Really Say That? Have you ever sometimes uh, read something in Scripture and you're thinking, whoa, did Jesus just say that? Did he really say that? We're going to go through a, a few weeks here of kind of uncovering some stuff that Jesus said that might challenge us a little bit. Uh, but before we do that, I, I feel the need to give you a public service announcement, um, just a warning here. I don't know if you guys watch the news, read the news, or whatever you do with the news. Um, how many of you are Harris Teeter customers and enjoy Harris Teeter? Okay, okay. How many of you eat hash browns? Raise your hand. Have you guys heard about the hash brown recall? The Harris Teeter brand hash brown recall? True story. They found golf balls. And Harris Teeter hash browns. Isn't that crazy? Or is it brilliant? You can golf and eat breakfast all at the same time. That's just like brilliant to me. But I'll tell you, I, I would so much rather eat like golf ball hash browns. We'll just, we'll just call them golf browns from now on. Beautiful things. I would rather eat that than some of the health food that my friends encourage me to eat. How many of you would agree with that? Okay. Just to give you, how many of you have ever tried, my friend told me I needed to try this. It was called matcha. Have you ever tried matcha? It's like this, really, you did? And, and, and you're, you're alive. So that's fantastic. We're glad that you're still with us. It's like this green powder, and it's, it, it shouldn't be called matcha. It should be called gotcha, because it's like, gotcha, I tried to get you to eat this stuff. That's how bad it is. Um, but some people live and die off this thing. There's another thing that like everybody is into. I can't get there. It's called kale. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Listen, the moment it starts tasting a lot like, you know, spicy pork rind, I'm in. Until then, I can't. Dude, in fact, my friend, he came up and he said, listen, here, you got to try some kale. And I just pulled out my cell phone and I deleted his contact right then and there because I can't have that in my life. Um, one other thing. Now, this one, has anybody ever heard of aquafaba? Anybody? Praise God. You have. Have you eaten aquafaba? Oh, good. We're going to pray over you right now in the name of Jesus. Aquafaba is this slimy stuff that you find in your the, the cans of beans, you know, like green beans, and, and they pour out the slimy stuff, and they whip it to make it egg white substitute. But people are crazy. I don't care what it's from. It's crazy. God gave us egg whites for a reason. We don't need aquafaba, but it's crazy. This is what they this is what they'll do. Now, one health kick that I have gotten into and that I can subscribe to is coconut water. How many of you are coconut water drinkers? Anybody? Coconut water, and I'm not sure if it's because I grew up in Hawaii eating coconuts, uh, but I've always been a big fan of it. And coconut water, it's really good for you. It's full of electrolytes. It's full of proteins and minerals. It's, it's good for the digestive system. Um, it lowers blood pressure. But there's one problem with coconuts is, is that it's tough to get into them. You have to first climb the tree or knock down the coconut. Then you have to husk the outer layer. You know, there's an outer layer and it's tough to get into. But once you peel away that outer layer, the husk, then as though it's a mean trick, you still have to get through the nut. It, 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 it's tough to get in there. But the reality is this, is that sometimes you have to get through the tough stuff to get to the good stuff. 
if you if you're not willing to get through the tough stuff, you can't get to the what? The good stuff. And there's some people who are unwilling to go through the tough stuff to get to the good stuff. So they'll settle for something that's inferior. It's easy, but it's inferior. Instead of trying to husk away a coconut, they'll, they'll say, hey, I'll just, I'll just get a Coke. Look how easy this is. Right? I have no work to it. I can just get to it. But how many of you would agree with me that this is probably not so good? Nutritionally speaking, it's not very good for you. So they'll say, okay, well, I won't do that. I'll do Diet Coke. Now look how easy this is. Right? No work at all. Simple. And, but, and it's a little bit better than Coke because there's no what in here? No calories. There's artificial sugars, right? And, and so we would all agree that there's been studies that show that, that diet soda is not great for you. So they say, okay, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to go for something a, a little, that's easy to get to, and it's good for you. So I'll get some Gatorade. Gatorade, look at this. I just opened that up, and oh, I'm in. But how many of you guys know that while this is full of electrolytes, it's also full of what? Sugar. All kinds of sugar. In fact, my kids went to the dentist, and they were having some issues, and the dentist said it was because of the Gatorade that they're drinking. The Gatorade. So, so... Now I went to Harris Teeter, right? These, these two, it's easy to get into, but there's nothing of value there. So I went to, uh, I went to Harris Teeter, and they had coconut milk there. Coconut milk. There's no golf balls in it. it that's the hash browns. This is just coconut milk. And I looked at it, and I thought, well, look how easy this is. There's no work to it. I just poke it, and I start to drink. Until I started reading the ingredients. And what they added to this so-called coconut milk is stuff that don't go in coconuts. Like there's gum inside this thing. There, 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 there's sugar cane inside this thing. So people will settle for something inferior as long as it's easy. How many of you know, though, God hasn't called us to the easy? God has called us to those things which will nourish us, sustain us, give life to us. And so sometimes you've you got to get through the tough stuff to get to the good stuff. This here. This here, folks. What you have sitting in front of you. This ain't just the good stuff. It's the great stuff. It's life. Everything that you need to be nourished in your spirit, in your soul, you find it here. We learned last week um, that Jesus was the embodiment, the human embodiment of God, right? Right? Listen, did you know that this is the embodiment of who Jesus is and the personhood of him? What you hold in front of you is life. John chapter 1, verse 1 tells us that very thing. It says this, In the beginning, the Word already existed. And the Word was with God, and the Word... He existed in the beginning with God. He, and God created everything through him, and nothing was created except by him. It's not just the good stuff, it's the great stuff. But can we be honest with you, each other this morning? I mean, we're at church, we should be honest, right? There's some tough stuff in here. There's some stuff that um, is tough to wrap your brain around. It doesn't feel good, some of the stuff that's written in here. But no matter what it is, it's the great stuff. And Jesus wrote it. And Jesus wrote it. 
through the, through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we've been given great stuff. And so we're going to start to talk, as I said, next few weeks about the great stuff that God has for you, but how we got to get through the tough stuff to get to that great stuff. I can tell you, as pastors, we, we, we sit around a table Tuesday morning, we talk about the sermons, and, and we kind of wrestle over There, I don't think we've had more fights over sermons than we did this last series. There's so many hard things, and, and it's good to have different opinions, and it's good to wrestle with things. How many of you know God likes it when you're wrestling? Just ask Jacob. <laughs> Loves it when you're wrestling, and sometimes we wrestle with Scripture, and, and sometimes it's going to make us feel uncomfortable. I give you license this morning and over the next few weeks to be uncomfortable. In fact, I, I hope you are, because I was. I was. You see, we didn't understand this. There's a difference between walking with someone and following someone. P- picture this, if you would. Picture this. Imagine I'm, um, I'm or you are in the middle of uh, the national forest, and, and you've gotten turned around. You ever, you ever been somewhere where you kind of got turned around, didn't know where you were at? Okay. So imagine that you're, you're in that place, and um, as you're there, you see Lisa. Come here, Lisa. Come on over here. And you make a decision that, well, Lisa, I'm going to walk with Lisa. So we, we're just kind of walking through the you know, garden, trying to find our way out, walking through the forest, walking wherever you get lost, trying to get our way out of there. We come back. and So we're just walking together. Do you understand that when I'm walking with someone, there's an element of independence in my walk? Meaning this. How many of you know, how many of you know this? Lisa's kind of crazy. I'm just... Uh, she she's in, she likes to work out. She's all does So imagine if in our walking together, Lisa makes a decision that she wants to walk ten miles uphill, no rests, no no coconut milk, no no nothing, no food, no nothing. And she's just gonna go. How many of you know she's gonna walk alone? Right? That's walking with. So I can make I can make a decision. To walk with her or not to walk with her based on what? My comfort. My comfort. However, when I'm following her rather than walking with her, it doesn't matter where she goes. It doesn't matter how many miles she wants to walk. It doesn't matter um, you know, if we're taking breaks or not. It doesn't even matter how fast she's walking right now. Would you slow down, woman, please? <clears throat> I'm out of breath. Now, here's the thing. Thank her. Would you thank her, please? Um, the reality is this. When I'm following someone, the element of independence has been removed. Because I am no longer worried about my comfort. I'm worried about following. Why, why would you choose to follow rather than to walk? Well, do you remember I was lost? Do you remember I had no idea how to get out of there? Do you remember that I, I was desperate? See, when I choose to not walk with Jesus, but I choose to follow Jesus, I'm making a declaration. I'm lost. And without your leadership in my life, I will remain that way. And it changes things. My comfort level with Jesus doesn't matter anymore in how I feel personally. He's now my leader, and I am a follower. God has called you. Jesus Christ has called you, not just to walk alongside him, but to follow him. 
He has called you to be a disciple. A disciple is one that will follow despite your comfort level with it. And that's true for every single believer. No one's exempt from it. No one in the kingdom's exempt. Discipleship, discomfort, following Jesus no matter where he goes. It's, it, it's a rule for you, you, you. It's a rule for all of us. And that's tough to hear sometimes. It's tough to live out. But um, how many of you remember you got to get through the tough stuff to get to the great stuff? So we find ourselves in Luke chapter 14. I hope that you're there already. Luke chapter 14. And as you turn there, we need to understand this, that following Jesus is not safe, nor is it easy. Salvation requires a decision, but following Jesus requires a commitment. God's ultimate goal for your life on earth is not your comfort, but character development. Let me read that again. God's ultimate goal for your life is not your, say this word with me, it's not your comfort but your character development we base our entire lives around comfort don't we you know how i choose to purchase my car that i drive is it comfortable you know the house that we live in you know why i bought it it was comfortable The, the the sofa i sit on you know why i sit on that sofa and just not anywhere on the sofa but in that one spot on the sofa why it's comfortable but god cares less about your comfort as he does about your character And he wants you to grow up spiritually and become like Christ. To become like Christ. So we find ourselves in Luke chapter 14. Did Jesus really say that? Starting in verse 25, we read this. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. Um, For our purposes this morning, I think it's safe to insert that they were walking with Jesus. And turning... Well, let me stop there for a second. Why can we say that they were walking with Jesus? Because we know they weren't following him. You know why we know they weren't following him? Because all of them would walk away from him at some point. All of these people, the masses, the crowds that were walking or traveling with Jesus were only walking with Jesus because at some point they, they, they walked away. In fact, John chapter 6, you can read this, where Jesus turns to the 12, his disciples, and he says, what about you? you, you, you you're going to walk away too? And they replied to Jesus, they said, where would we go? Where would we go? There was a difference between walking and following, being a fan or being a disciple. And so as we read this in, John, in Luke chapter 14, verse 23, there's a bunch of people who are walking with Jesus. And he turns around and he says this to them. If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. We thought about preaching this on Mother's Day, but we decided not to. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began and wasn't able to finish. We want, we, we, we want to be finishers. We want to finish well. Or, or so, suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. 
Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off. And he'll ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciple. If we're going to be honest, that's tough to talk about this morning. It's tough when we go beyond just the words and we get to the application. Where we go beyond just playing church on a Sunday morning and saying, I'm going to start living this out. This becomes hard. We're talking about sacrifice. We're talking about laying everything. I mean, Jesus was even talking about hating father and mother, hating sister and brother. What? I thought Jesus was all about love. Now he's talking about hate. What, what, what is he talking about? We've got to get through this tough stuff to get to the great stuff. I love the way that Daryl Bach, he's a New Testament scholar, he writes this, that the meaning of hate carries a comparative force here. The idea is not that we should hate our family or lives, but that in comparison to Jesus, if we are forced to choose, the winner in that choice should be Jesus every time. Why? Because that's the difference between someone walking with Jesus and somebody following Jesus. I love the way that the New Living Translation captures this. It's another example of why I'm a big fan of New Living Translation and its ability to capture the original Greek and to translate it into our time. Listen to what it says about verse 26. It was translated this way. If you want to be my disciple, you must hate everyone else by comparison. Your father and mother wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. So Jesus was not interested in attracting the crowds. Rather, his interest was in making disciples. And he consistently called his followers to greater levels of commitment. This morning, my my hope would be this, is that we would get real. Can we make a commitment to getting real this morning? And I'm not talking about you sharing with me. I'm talking about a conversation between you and the Holy Spirit. There would be an active, ongoing conversation between you and Him as this sermon unfolds, as this series unfolds. Because I know this, the one thing that I'm desperate for in my life, because I know that I can get lost, is to follow His lead. And if I'm going to follow His lead, I need to hear His voice. And so as we talk about this this morning, my prayer for you is that you would open your heart, open your mind to hearing what he would say to you about this. What is he wanting to deposit in you? So first thing I'm going to do is kind of throw off all of your notes, okay? Is that all right this morning? I want us to do this. Point number one is going to become point number three. Point number two is going to become point number one. Point number three is going to become uh, point number two. Go ahead and tell somebody what I just said. All right. You understand what I said? Point number one is going to go to the end. How's that? I want us to start with point number two, and and I hope that uh, you'll understand this. Because the essential beginning of this in verse 26 is, is Jesus saying this to us. Nothing else should compare. No person, no thing. It should all be about me. What Jesus is, is asking for is to be a priority in your life. Jesus wants to be a priority of your life. And you've got not just a, but the first. 
He wants to be first in your life. One of the passages of Scripture that just captures my imagination is this. When the Lord said, I am the Lord your God, and I am a jealous God. Think on that. You know who he's jealous over? You. Personally, he's jealous for you. That's so easy just to let that kind of fly over our head, almost like a spiritual speed bump in church. Just go right past it. But if you think on it, the creator of heaven and earth, the one who paints the sunsets, the one who causes the sun to rise and set, the one who makes a beautiful flower bloom from nothing and can paint a picture like that is the very one who's jealous over you. Dwell on that. Let it sink in. He swoons over you. <laughs> Have you guys, um, you know, everybody knows this couple. It's the couple that first falls in love. You know, the really nauseating couples, right? They got that whole puppy love thing going on, right? Like every single one of their, uh, you know, Instagram uh, or, or Facebook is all about that person, right? There's pictures of that person. Then they have cute little romantic sayings on that thing, you know, like real men mess up your lipstick, not your mascara, dumb stuff like that, right? And underneath it, they got like hashtag, I got a real man, right? Hashtag, I'm about to throw up on my mouth. That's what I'm about to do right there. Or every single text message that they send to one another, it's either got the kissy face or, or a heart or a, a kissy face with a heart. You know, every single text message. And you listen to them on the phone and they do. I'm almost, I'm almost embarrassed to admit this. My wife and I did this when we first met. You hang up. No, you hang up. No, you're still there. How many of you guys remember that? Those days? How many of you are that right now? Because we'll just pray for you right now in the name of Jesus. That, 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 that intensity, that overwhelming, gooey type of love. Listen to me. That's how he feels for you. That's how he feels for you. And this is the greatest part of it. It always stays that way. It never changes. As, as head over heels as he was for you, from when you're the beginning of the foundation of time, he's still that way for you today and always will be. You've captured his imagination. You've captured his heart. And he's jealous for you. How cool is that? I remember when, and I've shared this story before, but it's appropriate here. When, when Bev and I were just dating, um, it was really early on in our relationship. And you have to understand, I didn't grow up going to church um, I was like from the other side of the track, far, far on the other side of the track. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? Just like gone. Um, and, 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 and so there are some things I didn't do. I didn't grow up in church, so I didn't go to a lot of weddings. I mean, it was just not like a cultural thing in Hawaii, right? We did, so I hadn't gone to a lot. So I'm going to a wedding with Beverly, and, and we're just dating. And, um, and I'm talking to somebody, and I'm already feeling awkward, right? I'm feeling out of place because I'm just getting to know her friends, and I'm at this thing, and... And, and I turn around, and Beverly's gone. And I'm like, where did she go? And I look, and there's this guy who has her by the arm. And he's walking with her. And inside of me, I'm like, 
I'll kill a man. I don't even care. I God, you what? And so she sits down right, and I, and I walk past, and I'm like, Now, granted, he's like six foot and could stomp on me in a minute, right? But it doesn't matter, right? And so I sit down next to her, and I said, listen, i got to explain something to you. Don't you ever grab a man's arm like that. Strike one. <laughs> she, she set me straight later, trust me. The second strike was this. She goes, honey, that's an usher. That's their job. They walk me to your seat. <laughs> so... How many of you have ever had that dumb type of jealousy, right? That, that stupid jealousy. He's jealous for you like that, but in a healthy, good way. He's jealous for you like that. He, 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 he has to have first priority, but we also must embrace this process of discipleship. Write that down for number two, that we have to embrace the process. We got to embrace the process of discipleship. Embrace the process of following Jesus, not walking with Jesus. We're called to take up our cross daily and follow Jesus, which speaks to the ongoing process of spiritual transformation in our lives. This is not a one-time event, y'all. It's not. It's not a one-time event. Discipleship and picking up our cross requires a daily dying to self. A daily dying to self but you got to get through the tough stuff hello to get to the good stuff and the tough stuff of dying to ourselves every single day in this process of discipleship it's tough but let me tell you where it leads us to is life wholeness happiness we've got to embrace it i don't know if this story is true or not but um Alexander the Great was on one of his campaigns, and his army was was forward far from their home base. They they set up camp for the night. Everybody's going to sleep except for your guards who are keeping watch over the camp. Late at night, Alexander the Great he can't he can't sleep. Maybe he's thinking about the battle to come tomorrow. He gets up and he starts to walk, and as he's walking, he comes across a guard who's asleep at post. Now, in our day, that would be trouble. In their day, it would be deadly. If you fell asleep on post, on guard, you, you could be executed on the spot. So Alexander the Great walks up to this kid, kicks him, wakes him up. Now, how many of you would be scared just to have been caught sleeping, let alone when you wake up and you look and it's Alexander the Great? And Alexander the Great, he looks at this kid and he goes, what's your name? And the young man replies to him mumbling quietly, my name's Alexander. And Alexander the Great said, what did you say your name was? And the young man replied, my name is Alexander. And Alexander the Great took a step back and he said this, then either change your name or change your conduct. Listen, you and I have been given a new name. We praise God for that, don't we? We used to be sinner. Our new name is saint. Our old name used to be condemned. Our new name is free. Shouldn't that elicit different conduct? Here's the beauty too. Alexander might have called himself great, but our God's the greatest. Our God is so good and so in love and so desiring to see you shaped and molded more and more like him. When we do fall asleep on duty, 
And we all do, don't we? Meaning we all sin. We all, we all fall short of being the disciple, of being the follower we want to be. You know what his response is? It's not judgment, condemnation, and kicking you out of his army. It's an encouragement that says, get back up and try again. It's grace. It's grace. But grace doesn't mean we don't commit to the process of discipleship. Grace doesn't mean we take it for granted. Grace says we still do the tough stuff because the tough stuff leads to the great stuff. And let me tell you something. God has greatness for each and every single one of you in here. Greatness. Greatness. And listen, I'll just... You can believe it or not. That doesn't keep it from being true. God has greatness for you. And so this process of discipleship, this process of daily picking up your cross, of dying to yourself, it ain't easy. Since when did did, did following Jesus become easy? He said that my burden is, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. But let me tell you something. He also said there's going to be death involved in this. There's going to be a process And it's a process of pain that leads to promise. The process of your pain is going to lead to your promise. And the promise is this, that I have a plan and a purpose for your life. And watch this thing bloom. The third thing we need to do. The third thing we need to understand this morning as we get out of here is we've got to count the cost. Count the cost. He says that someone's wise that even before you make this decision of discipleship, that you step back and you realize what it's going to take. And it is going to take hard decisions. It's going to take self-denial. It's going to take dying to self. But here's the beauty of our God. You ready for this? Whatever he takes, he restores. Whatever he removes, he replaces. And every single time he replaces, it's gold. It's gold. So whatever it is, whatever it is that the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you, remember at the beginning of the sermon, we said, hey, Holy Spirit, speak to me individually because I want to hear from you. Whatever it is that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about, I promise you this, if you just give it up, if you just give it up, if you just do the tough stuff so you can get the great stuff, I promise you, your life will never be the same. Did you close your eyes this morning? Now, I'm, I'm, I'm believing that maybe there's something that the Holy Spirit revealed to you that you're holding on to. It, it could be the plans for your future that you're like, I'm going to do my own thing my own way. Maybe it's a crisis that you're facing today. Maybe it's an attitude. Maybe it's a, an area of bondage in your life. It could be one of a million things. And, and, and what Jesus is saying to us, it's tough, but it's good. That very thing that you're holding on to, give it to me. Give it to me. It's the difference between walking and following. Give it to me. So take one second, one more second right here just to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you if there's anything that he's asking you to kill. So I'm gonna be um, <clears throat> I'm gonna be cocky and arrogant enough to believe this. 
prideful enough. I don't know what it is, actually, if it's any of those. But I believe that every single one of us have something. I believe every single one of us have something. So I'm believing that every single one of us in here today is being called upon to lay down something in order for us to pick up our cross and follow him. So my prayer is this today. Would you pray with me? Lord, I just pray over my friends this morning, God, and I pray that whatever it is that you are revealing to them today, Lord, that thing that they're so desperately clinging on to, God, whether it's a person, a thing, a dream, a plan, whatever it may be, Father, I pray that they would do the tough stuff that leads them to the great stuff, which leads us to you. Lord, I pray that you would give them boldness and courage. Lord, we know change requires courage. And Holy Spirit, we're asking you to do this. Do a work in us that we are incapable of doing ourselves. Only you can do it. Only you can do it. But you've called us to partner with you in the doing. So Holy Spirit, today we commit. We're partnering with you. Holy Spirit, today we commit that there's nothing, nothing, nothing in this world that compares to you. And we gladly give anything you ask today. And all God's people said. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org. 